You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will continue with our series called The Fearless Tour. We will be talking about the person called Phineas. Phineas was fearless to stand for what was right, even when everyone else was doing wrong. In your life today, are you ready to take a stand? Our scripture text comes from Psalms 106, starting in verse 28. Today's message is entitled, The Fix. We're on a tour. It's called The Fearless Tour. God wants you to live a fearless life. God's created you to live a fearless life. But there are many things in our life that steal that sense, that understanding, that confidence, that boldness, that assurance that we have in God. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about a man by the name of Phineas. We're going to talk about his story and the kind of person that he was. Uh, This morning, actually uh, yesterday, I was listening to a guy by the name of Mark Driscoll. He, He preaches at a church called Mars Hill of Seattle. And he preached a message, not on Phineas, but he preached a message on the fear of God And it was for an hour and 21 minutes. So guess what, guys? You get a break today. I'm only going to give you about 36 minutes and two seconds. So come on. Everyone's like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. We'll see how it goes here. But listen, listen. Today, God wants you to open your heart. He wants you to open your heart to receive this truth that he's created you to live a fearless life. How we can live a fearless life. Hating the things that God hates and loving the things that he loves. We're going to begin with verse number 25 of Psalms chapter 106. And the Bible says, So he swore to them with an uplifted hand, that he would make them fall in the desert, make their decisions fall among the nations, and scatter them throughout the lands. They yoked themselves to the bell of Peor, and, uh, and ate sacrifices offered to lifeless gods. They provoked the Lord to anger by their wicked deeds, And a plague broke out among them. But Phineas stood up. Everyone say Phineas. Stood up and intervened. And the plague was checked. This was credited to him as righteousness for endless generations to come. Now in your notes, there's our theme verse that we've been reading for the last couple of weeks. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse number 7. We are going to read this out loud together as a good class. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. Let's read it together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, I pray that every heart will be open to hear that you have created them to live a fearless life, hating what you hate and loving what you love. God, I pray that you will bless your people. Give them ears spiritually to hear. Father, whatever condition, whatever place, whatever state, wherever they are in their understanding with you, I pray that you will take them to the next level of understanding how great you are. Father, I pray that you will give me one more time a grace to declare this message, this message of truth, that you are a God who is majestic and awesome and all-powerful. I love you, Lord. I need you. I'm dependent upon you. Now bless this today in your mighty and your wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Now, Wednesday night here, we have what we call pathway classes. And I go to a pathway class. And my pathway class that I've been going 
has been taught by Mike. Mike has been uh, teaching a class on how to study the Bible. So it's, it's an awesome class. We had a great class this last week. And uh, so there was some new people in the class, and they were going around the room, and they were introducing themselves to one another. And Mike, you asked the question, uh, some, tell us something interesting about your life. So tell us something interesting about your life. And, and they were going around the room and introducing themselves. And I kind of, I'd run around. I came in a little late. And so, and everybody had told their story. And so I said, well, my name is Eugene. And, and I told this story. Kind of interesting. How many of you ever had something happen in your life that was unexpected, that later on became a story that you told other people? Come on. Just something happened. It wasn't you planned it. And all of a sudden, something happened. And it was really kind of, it's an interesting story. It was unique, something that happened to you. Well, something interesting happened to me in 1982. I was working at a restaurant called The Tack Room. And if you've been in this church, you've heard me tell these stories. But I don't know if you ever heard me quite tell this story before. Uh, but this restaurant was a mobile-rated five-star restaurant one of 11 five-star restaurants in America at the time. And uh, I was a young man. I started off as a dishwasher, and then I went to a busboy, and I became a waiter. And, and a lot of famous people came out to this restaurant. It was one of those kind of places, the hoodie-hoodie place, the tuxedo waiters and that kind of thing. And, and uh, people came out. And, and usually when a person famous came out, we had a separate room. It was called the fireside room. And uh, they would uh, go to this room because they didn't want people to know that they were there. But this particular night, a different individual came out. And uh, he wanted everybody to know that he was there. His name was Richard Simmons. Anybody ever heard of Richard Simmons before? Come on. You never, anybody never hear of Richard Simmons before? Anybody never hear of him? Okay, so everybody knows who Richard is, right? He's a guy who used to be really big, and now he's kind of skinny. And he's an exercise guru, and he's a little bit flamboyant, I think. And, and I think David Letterman still has him on and shreds him all the time. And, but uh, Richard Simmons was very popular at the time. He just kind of hit that... I don't know, whatever, that peak, you know, that peak of popularity. And he was very, very famous, and he was very flamboyant. And I was waiting tables, and I just was, I was just unlucky enough. I mean, I was just fortunate enough to have to wait on his table. And so he sat down with some people, and, and uh, I was waiting on him, and different guys were serving him, and, and he was letting everybody know. I mean, he was just, he was just out there, kind of. And, and so we had served him a salad, and, and I went to pick up the salad. And as I went to pick up the salad, he leaned over, and he bit me on the hand. And it was like one of those weird, like, you'd kind of like a love, like, bite, like you kind of do, you know, like to your spouse or to your kid. And I'm like, and so without even thinking, this is what I did, without even thinking, it's true, it's totally true. I, 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 without even thinking, there was a salad fork right next, right there. And he had his hands on the table. He was bending down like this, trying to bite my hand. And I picked up the salad fork, and I just stuck it right in his hand. Just like that. Just went poof. And he was like, and that was it. He didn't say anything else to me. He didn't look at me. He didn't talk to me. I mean, that was, that was, that was it with Richard Simmons. He no longer was he the flamboyant. I mean, as a matter of fact, he calmed way down for the rest of the night. And he stopped looking at me. And I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. Everyone said amen. Now, I don't know why I reacted like that. There was something in me that just, I like, ah, Rose, no way. Dude, you're nuts, man. Now, if it would have been, you know, Farrah Fawcett at the time, that would have been a different story. But it wasn't, it, or whoever. I mean, it was, you know, it was Richard Simmons. I was, listen, I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't serving the Lord. I was far from God. I was far from God. And, but there was something in me, something in me that just, that kind of lifestyle, that thing that he represented, I wanted nothing to do with. I didn't want anything to do with it. In the Bible, 
in the Bible, you will see that there are people who are radical. And they're radical for God. They're zealous for the things of God. And Psalms chapter 106 is the story of the nation of Israel. And at this time in the history of Israel, there were men of God. There was a great man by the name of Moses. He was the greatest leader that, that Israel had had. He led them from 430 years of captivity in Egypt. He literally led them out of Egypt and he took them on a pathway to God's promised land. Moses, although he felt inadequate and he'd done some things in his life that were shameful in his past, God still tapped him. You see, because God is never through with you. If you are sitting in this room today, God still has a purpose for you. He's not finished with your life. And although Moses had made some detours, God wasn't finished with him. God taps him, says, Moses, I want you to lead my people. Lead them out of Egypt. Tell Pharaoh, I want him to let my people go. Well, at this time, there were people who served as leaders among the nation of Israel. One of the men was was named Balaam. Everyone say Balaam. Now, Balaam was a prophet who lived for his own prophet. He was a prophet. He was anointed of God. He was gifted of God. He was graced of God. But he didn't serve the people because he had a call of God and he wanted to serve them. He served the people for his own benefit. So that he could make money, so that he could get wealthy, so that he could live a different kind of life. And, and there was a man by the name of Balak. Now, the children of Israel always had people who didn't like him. You know that you not only in the natural will have people who don't like you, but you have a real live enemy by the name of Satan who hates you. And he has demonic forces, principalities and powers, who are assigned to destroy your life. And they're your enemies. And they tempt you. They try to get you to do things that are wrong. They, all these things. Temptation comes because the enemy will speak lies into your spirit, into your mind. And he'll, he'll cause you to want to drift away from the goodness of God, the grace of God, and the love of God. Phineas, though, had a different kind of life. You see, Balaam loved the things more than he loved God. He wanted, he was living for himself, not for others. But Phineas was a completely different man. Phineas wasn't living for himself. Phineas was living to serve the purposes of God in his generation. And therefore, Phineas did things that no one else was willing to do. So Balaam, he's over here. This man, Balak, who was a Midianite priest, hires Balak to prophesy against the children of Israel. He says, he says he tries to curse him. He tries to curse the children of Israel. God doesn't allow it. He says, you can't curse what I bless. Listen to me today. When you are a child of God, when you come into covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan can no longer curse you. The curse of sin has been broken from your life. The power of sin has been broken from your life. Now, you might not believe it yet. You might not understand it yet. You don't have revelation on it yet. But the moments that Christ in you, the moment that you allow Christ to come into your life, the potential, the possibility, and the presence and power of God is there to set you free, to make you, to make you the person that God has created you to be, to live a fearless life. You see, but we're confused. This message that I'm speaking today is really on the fear of God. But the fear of God in our culture has got kind of like a dirty word. It's kind of like he's just an angry preacher up there preaching against bad things. And you know, the reality is the fear of God is so much more than that. 
The fear of God has to do with the majesty, has to do with the beauty, has to do with the awesomeness and a reverence that we, God's creation, have for our holy God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-caring, all-loving, all-good. You see, there are things, there are things that God loves. There are things that God loves. And there are things that God hates. Really, this message could be called love-hate. This message could be called love-hate. There are things that God loves, and there are things that God hates. Now, what happens? We have two opinions or two kind of concepts of God many times running in our mind. Some people, because of the kind of church that they grew up in or because of their concept of God or someone told them they see God as this angry God ready to punish them, ready to put the hammer down on their life. They don't see Him as a Father. They don't see Him as a caring God. They just see Him, boy, just ready. When they make a mistake, they're gonna, He's going to whack Him on top of the head. Then you go to this other extreme, and you hear this message preached over and over, almost to an extreme today in the church, that God loves you. He, God, He just, right today, you know, whatever you're doing, wherever you're, it's okay. You know, it's okay. He understands. You, you know, you've been carrying that a long time, and you know, it, it'll all work out. And, and no, hell's not really real. And forever's not really that long. And, it, you know, you can just, it's okay. God, you don't have to change. And God's saying, no way. And both of these concepts are wrong about the grace of God. Because, see, it's the grace of God that leads us to change. And every person that comes into a relationship God, with God will change. You will change. You will change. And if you don't change, then you experience something called discipline. Now think about this. Just for, let me help you with this concept just for a moment. Let me help you understand how this works. How many of you are a parent in the room? How many of you have children? Okay. How many of you absolutely love your kids? Come on. How many of you would just do anything for your kids? Right? As a parent, how many of you, because you love your kids, you hate anything that would bring harm to them? Come on. You hate it, right? You hate it, absolutely hate it. Someone tries to come and steal your child and do something sexually weird to them. You hate that, right? You hate that, and you actually hate that person. You hate that deed that that person will do. Isn't that true? Come on, you're a parent, you understand that. So you love your kids so much, you absolutely love them so much that you will hate anything that would bring harm to their life. Isn't that right? I love my wife so much. Anything that would harm her, a sickness, a cancer, uh, an individual. When we first were married and we were living in Seattle, there was a guy that she was working with that was not a very nice guy and was just harassing her in the workplace. I mean, verbally harassing her. And she called me one time on the phone in tears, and she was just like, you know, bawling about this guy that was verbally harassing her. So I was so mad. I, I hated that. I mean, at that moment, I hated what that individual did. And I picked up the phone. And I called her boss, and I said, you tell that guy to knock it off or there's going to be a problem. And guess what? It stopped. That boss went right down, and he told that guy, hey, man, knock it off. Don't do that. It's not right. And it stopped. Why was it? Because I love my wife. I was going to protect her. It's same with God. He loves you so much that he hates anything that would bring destruction, anything that would bring harm, anything that would hurt, anything that would cause you to lose a sense of his awesomeness and his power and his greatness in your life. And the Bible calls this word sin. Everyone say sin. 
The word in the Greek for sin is harmatia. The word harmatia literally means to miss the mark of God's righteous, holy standard. God has a standard. God has a way that people are to live. You see, we live in a politically correct culture today where it's about the opinions of men. Everyone has an opinion about what's right. Everyone has an opinion about what's right. Well, it doesn't really matter to God what people think because God is God all by himself. He wrote the rule book. I did it. And God clearly tells us there are things that I love and there are things that I hate. Over 45 times in the Bible, God uses the word hate about things, activities that humans do. Over 45 times. 45 times. Proverbs list. Proverbs list over and over. We're going to get to the reward at the end of this message, but there are things that really tick God off. Let me help you with this. When I was a little kid, when I was a little boy, my mom, you know, I'd do something, and, and she'd try to get me to stop, and my mom had a harder time controlling me than my dad. And my mom, the most fearful words that my mom could strike in my being was not that she was going to spank me because... I remember by the time I was 10, my mom was trying to spank me with the belt, and I started laughing. You know, come on, right? I mean, just poor girl. I mean, just couldn't do it. But when my mom said, if you don't stop, what did she, what did she say? I'm going to do what? Come on, y'all going to do what? I'm going to tell your dad. And, you know, and, and that would just, that would get my attention. And then if she really meant it, she would say it like three times. When, if you don't stop... I'm gonna, when your dad gets home, I'm going to tell. And then she like reiterated again. If you don't stop, uh, when your dad gets home, I'm going to tell. And then I knew she was really serious. And guess what I did? Oh, no, please don't tell. I'm dumb. I beg. Now, listen, my dad disciplined me as a little boy. He absolutely disciplined me. And, you know, I never became angry or embittered at my dad because he disciplined me. That's not why I got angry and bitter at my dad. I got angry. And, you know why I got angry and bitter at my dad? is because my dad, who had been living a fearless life, chose not to live a fearless life any longer. And he started living life his own way. He started living life for his own selfishness, for his own desires. And he started running around and doing all the things that people do. And when he started living that life, it brought a lot of hurt into my family. It brought a lot of hurt into my mom and his relationship and a lot of pain. And that's when bitterness, bitterness didn't grow because my father disciplined me. You see, and your relationship with God, he loves you. He absolutely loves you. The children of Israel were God's chosen people. He had a special plan for them. He loved them so much. He cared for them so much. He said, guys, if you follow me, if you make my ways and my purposes your plans and your purposes, I will bless you above all the nations of the earth. He made a promise to Abraham some 4,000 years ago. That promise was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the promise of the blessing of God. And the promises and the blessings of God are yes and amen to them that believe. And so there's this concept, there's this, there's this understanding as a believer that we, we are to fear God. Not in a way that God's mean, not that He's ready to punish us, but He's a God that we're to revere. He's holy. And because of that, we love Him. We love Him. We're so thankful for Him. We can live life fearless of any man. We have no fear of man. We have no fear of failure. We have no fear of financial lack. 
We have no fear, fear of sickness and disease. We have no fear of death. Now, do those things come into our life? Do we become afraid at times? Absolutely. Why? Because we lose sight of the fearless life. We lose sight of the benefit and the blessing of living with God. Phineas. See, he did it different in his generation. Balaam was living for himself. Phineas chose to live for others. And this is what happens in your story. In Numbers chapter 25, the Bible says that God's anger was being poured out against the people because of their sexual immorality. The Midianites had tried to attack the children of Israel through the prophecy of Balaam, but it completely failed. Balaam completely failed. So he gets another plan. He, he gets his women that are underneath him, and he has them go and sleep with the Israeli men, with the Jewish men. What are they going to do? They begin to practice indiscriminate sex. They begin to sleep with whoever they want to sleep with. They begin to like live with people before they're married. They just begin to have these kinds of sexual relationships that God says, listen, if you do this, this is going to bring so much harm. You see, they, were, they immediately go from coming out of Egypt, coming out of 430 years of captivity, coming out of victory, watching God open up the Red Sea and marching through on dry ground, and then closing up the waters again and destroying their enemies. I mean, immediately after the blessings and victory of God, guess what? They go back to doing things that they did before they were saved. You know, it's like this in a believer's life. You come to God. I want to help you today. If you can't tell a person, if you cannot tell a person at some point in your life you had an encounter with God, you don't know Him. Because every person that encounter, every person that knows God, every person that knows God, every person that has a relationship with God, every person that's living for God knows that they've encountered Him. They know that He's real. They know that His presence is real. They know that His power, every person, every person on the planet that surrendered their life to God, at some point, at some time, they've had a divine encounter. I, I told a friend of mine the other day, I've had probably four or five times. You know, I mean, I worship God, but I mean, where God was so real to me, I could like taste it. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. Whatever problem I had, it was just nothing. It was no big deal. I mean, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. See, that's the kind of relationship that Phineas had. Phineas was zealous for the things of God. The children of Israel, they became apathetic. They got critical. Listen, critical spirit today is a sign that you become apathetic in your relationship with God. When people become critical towards church, when people become critical towards politicians, when people become critical towards their boss, when Christians... Listen, I'm not talking to the people outside the church. When Jesus was on this earth, he spoke to people who were covenant people. He spoke to the Jewish people. And he said, listen, guys, listen, guys, you've got to change your life. He didn't speak to people outside the church. He spoke to people inside the church. And he communicated this truth. You see, today, God's looking for people who say, God, I'm going to do your purpose and do your plan." And when we become critical towards leaders, when we become critical in our spirit, listen, it's a sign that things are not right. 
the children of Israel got critical towards Moses. They begin to murmur. They begin to complain. Then they experience themselves in bondage again. They find themselves going back to the internet. You know, they find themselves doing things that they know they shouldn't do. Maybe doing, you know, the, maybe for one person it was lying or stealing. Or all of a sudden they start to have fear about where their money's going to come from. And so when they go to work, they, they're maybe going to be 10 minutes late and they call their, their friend and say, hey, can you go over to the time card and punch me in so that I won't be late so that I get paid for those 10 minutes or you just fudge a little bit here or you fudge a little bit there on your income taxes. I mean, all these kinds of things become trips for Christians. They become trips. And it isn't just out there. It's right up here on the pulpit. A friend of mine yesterday called me. We were talking about, he was telling me about this church in Texas where this very well-known pastor who had been mightily used of God. I told Glenn this week, I said, this man in the 1990s had the largest youth group in America. He had over 2,600 kids in his youth group on a weekly basis. Largest youth group in America. Great man of God. Had led thousands of people to Christ. Seen generations changed. Became apathetic. Even while he was telling other people what to do, he wasn't doing it himself. And he found himself trapped in a relationship that he shouldn't have been in. And he's lost everything. He's lost everything. Was it worth it? Of course not. But see, that's what happens when we lose sight of the fearless life. When we lose sight of loving the things that God loves and we start to become apathetic towards the things that God hates, things happen in our life. It leads us into bondage. And then God's presence starts to deal with us and we know we need to change. And then His deliverance comes as we cry out to Him and He restores us. See, every person... Every person here has the potential to live a fearless life, but something has to happen in us. The first thing that has to happen, it's right there in your notes, is you've got to really understand that there is a future judgment for your actions. There is a future judgment for the way that the choices that you make. There's a, it just, it's, a, it's reality, folks. You know this in every area of your life. You know this. This week, this week, uh, uh, one of the guys in our church is doing a catering business, and he made lunch for the staff. And uh, at the beginning of this year, we did a thing here called 50 Days of Fitness, and it was, you know, I mean, it was life-changing for me. I mean, I, I went on this plan, and, uh, you know, I, I started drinking a gallon of water to, a, a day. I started eating oatmeal every morning for breakfast. But, and so, I mean, my life was just changed, and, and I just I ate differently. Well, Dave Nieves, Dave Nieves this week brought barbecue ribs, brisket, pulled pork, chicken. What up? Come on. Thank you, Lord. He brought baked beans, potatoes, I mean, all this kind of stuff. And man, I just, you know what I did? I backslid. I ate, I played, and guess what? I got to pay. And I paid, and my stomach paid, because I hadn't eaten that much meat in one setting. And, you know, I've been eating veg and all the healthy stuff. I've been on it for four or five months now, living a different life. Lost almost 30 pounds. Come on, give the Lord a great big hand clap. Someone said, oh, you don't need to lose. I said, well, I leave that little chart and it says I'm supposed to be this weight, and I'm still not quite there, you know. I want to live an abundant life. I don't want anything to slow me down. I want to live the full life that God has it for me. And so... There's consequences in every area. Your food, you, you understand this in relationships. You understand this in, in your money, how you manage your money. I mean, you understand this in every area of your life. But when it comes to spiritual things, we somehow think that it just doesn't matter. And what happens, it does matter. 
the choices that I make will affect my tomorrow. And because we become apathetic, we become apathetic. And some people even become arrogant. They become like that man that we read about. You see, when Midian saw this Israeli man sleeping with a Midian, Midianite woman right in front of the tent, right in front of the place where the presence of God was, he became so incensed that he took a spear. And the Bible says that he went and he drove it through the both of them while they were in the middle of a sex act. I mean, that's like, wow, unbelievable. I mean, that's like, you can't even believe that somebody did that. And everyone in the room said, thank God for the New Testament. Come on. Thank God for grace. Right? But listen, listen. The future judgment. There is a day that we will give an account for our life. It's why whatever you're trapped in today, you're a Christian. There's got to be something in you that says, God, I want this to change. I don't want to keep like living like this. I don't want to keep going this direction. I don't want to keep doing things this way. You see, future judgment came. And judgment for the believer comes in the form of discipline. And the Father loves you. And the Father disciplines those He loves. And so when you're going through pain, so much of your pain has to do with things that have gone sideways in your life. The second thing that I want you to see this morning is that if you're going to live a fearless life, is that there will be fruit. Every person in this room that chooses, chooses to follow God and to do His will will produce fruit in their life. Fruit's good. Good fruit. When Jesus was talking to the disciples, He said this, guys, listen, you make a choice today. You make a choice today. You choose the kind of life you're going to have. He actually used the analogy to a tree in front of my house. And in the back of my house, they planted a couple of trees when they built the subdivision. And they're both just sickly. You know why they're sickly? You know why they don't, I mean, they're just, I mean, there's some other trees in my neighborhood that are planted at the same time that are huge and mammoth. And my puny little scrawny tree is just, I mean, in six years, it hasn't hardly grown. You know why that is? Because they planted it in bad soil. It, and the soil that it's in doesn't have the right nutrients. You see, it gets the same sunshine. It hears the same word. It gets the same water. It experiences the same worship. It, it hears the same preaching of the word. It hears the same songs on Z88. It listens to the same, your favorite television preacher. But let me tell you, the tree, the tree that's planted in my front yard is sick. Because the soil that it's planted in is sick. And the Bible declares today that you are like a tree. And that you are to be planted by rivers of living water. Rivers of water that flown from the throne of God. That make you healthy. That make you happy. That make you holy. That make you humble. That fill you full of faith. Listen. Listen today. God loves you. He cares today, and the fruit of your life will be evident to others. And this is how it was evident in Jesus' life. For, for Phineas, it was evident, because when everybody else was crying, everybody else was crying about how hard life was, and this is not fair, and oh God, because when that man committed that act, the Bible says that a plague broke out among the people, and 24,000 people died. One man said, enough of this. One man said, enough of this. Medgar Evers, 
I, I, read, I saw his story this week on PBS. And in 1959, he stood up in Mississippi. He stood up in the pulpits. He stood up at the courthouse. He stood on the Capitol steps. And he began to say, hey, listen, this isn't right. The way that African Americans are being treated in the, in, the, in the state of Mississippi. They weren't allowed to vote. They, it was so screwy. The people were so bigoted, so backwards, and so ignorant. And one man said, there is a cause. There's a righteous cause to stop injustice in this nation. And some coward took a rifle and shot him in the back. But let me tell you, when they shot him in the back, they let loose a revolution in America. They let loose something that began to change the fabric and the fiber of culture and society. He wasn't the first one to take a bullet. There were others that took a bullet. But that meant something sparked in in that shot. It was a shot that was heard around the world. And we live in a city called Sanford, Florida, that in the 1960s used to have separate water fountains, used to have separate places uh, where people would congregate and meet. But today, we live in a nation where people can come to a place called City Church, and they can drink at the same water fountain. They can jump in the same swimming pool. They can worship God in the same building. Come on, someone give God a shout in this place. I'm telling you, there is a cause. There is a righteous cause in every generation. But we got to love the things that God loves. And we got to hate the things that God hates. And there will be fruit. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts chapter 10 about Jesus. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good. And he healed all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Listen to what happens. Listen to what happens. You have a divine encounter with God. You start. You start to make those choices. You say, God, I need you today. I will, I'm, search me, God. See if there's anything in my life that's not right with you. God, I can't change. I tried it, but with you, I can do all things. Through Christ, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. I can give up that addiction to pornography. I can give up that addiction, that thing that's hindering me and keeping me back to the bottle, to lying, to stealing, to cheating, to whatever your challenge or issue that you face. I don't care what it's labeled today. I want you to know that the power and the presence of God is available for you, but you've got to choose. You see, and when you make a choice, good fruit comes from your life. Things start to look better. Faith starts to build. And then the confidence that you have in God. Jesus did good. God's created you to do good today. God's created you to be a person who will take a cause and say, I'm going to fight. We had these two young ladies who have been all over the world, literally. They came to our house, and they stayed for three days, and they're trying to raise money for a project, for a movie that they're doing that, sh- that talks about sexual exploitation. Slavery today in 2010 in America is called children that are being trafficked through Internet pornography, through sick perverts, through people who are selling people runaways. They run away. They end up on the streets, and they get sold into slavery to some disgusting pimp who only has evil for their life. And there's over 300,000 of them in America in the city streets. And if you drive around parts of this community, you'll see them. 
And they're making a movie. They're willing to take a cause. They're willing to stand for what's right. They're willing to say, enough is enough. Come on. We're going to stand up for those who are being abused. We're going to stand up for the innocent. We're not going to tolerate it any longer. You see, that's what happens to a person that gets this in their heart. There's evidence of the fruit. It's not that you're angry and you're mad. And it's not that you're mad even at at, at people. What you are mad at is the result and the fruit that's being produced because people are making wrong choices. And that's what God's called us to as believers. But it first starts in this church. It first starts in the house of God. The third thing that I want you to see this morning, as we're doing good, we begin to change our attitude. We begin to change our attitude. You see, the Bible says that the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, Aaron the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites. For he was zealous for my honor among them, so that in my zeal I did not put an end to them. He changed his attitude. He had the right attitude about God. He had the right attitude about the things that God loves. What does God love today? What does God love? God loves it when people serve other people. God loves it when someone says something really mean and nasty to you. You bless them. God loves it. God loves it when you help someone and no one else will ever see or be able to repay you. God loves it. God loves it when you do like a man in our church who in the first service came up to me. There's a man in his 70s. A man who has a, a landscaping business and uh, maybe the most, but isn't the most eloquent person. Probably never preached behind a pulpit. I don't know. But a man who's in his 70s handed me a card. See, he might not be able to say it all right, but he can tell someone the story on a little card. He keeps a pocket full of these cards, and he hands them out to his customers and to people that he meets at the gas station. It's a little card. It's got a picture of Jesus, the crown of thrones on it. And it says, if we meet and you forget me, you've lost nothing. But if you meet Jesus Christ and forget him, you've lost everything. So there's a man. Wow, righteous cause. Doing good telling other people about the love of God. See, that's what God loves. And the fruit that's evident in our life is a result of the attitude that we take about the things of God. I wrote the things down that God hates. And whenever God hates something, the opposite that he, is what He loves. The God, Bible says that God hates haughty eyes. God hates the proud. You know, He loves the humble. God hates people who lie. God hates lying. But he loves those who tell the truth. God hates, God hates people who shed the blood of innocent people. But he loves people who protect the innocent. God hates a person who devises wicked schemes, who develops websites to entrap little children. God hates that. God hates that. But he loves people. He loves people who bring children to church so they can hear about Jesus. God hates a man who stirs up dissension among the brothers. God hates that. He hates it. But he loves people who fight for unity. He loves it. How good and blessed it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For there the blessing of God flows. His presence forevermore. See, we all want blessing. We all want the reward. We all want the reward. This is the reward that came to finish. You can read the story for yourself in Numbers 20. It's right there in the notes. God says, I'm going to establish an everlasting covenant of peace.
I'm going to establish an everlasting covenant of peace. Everlasting. You know how long that is? A long time. 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus took a spear right here. Took a spear right here. Your sin did that. 2,000 years ago, some crusty Roman soldiers just obeying the commands and the orders that were given to them took a spear drove a stake right through his palms just for you he did it for you 2,000 years ago that everlasting covenant of peace was established forever and ever so you want peace right now there's a man by the name of George Mitchell he used to be the former secretary of state of the United States of America He's over in Israel right now, and he's trying to bring peace to the Mideast. War-torn area for thousands of years. Brothers against brothers, cousins against cousins have known no peace. The world is crying out for peace. Our president right now is trying to nuclear disarmament. We're trying to come on cut back. What in the world? How many people do you want to kill? I mean, what in the world is that about? You know, I'm conservative as the next guy, but my God, how many people are we planning on killing? God didn't come here to kill you. God came here to save you. God didn't come here to kill the world. God came here to save the world. My God, help us. Help us to get this. He took that, he took that nail right into his hands. Drove a stake. And when they hung him from the cross, the Bible says that the sin, your sin, every sin, all the stuff that God hates, he laid it upon Jesus. Oh, my God. He cries out. Elo, Elo, Lama Sabachthani. My God. My God, why have you forsaken me, God? Because in that moment when God looked down on a holy God, when God looked down on His Son, Jesus, who never sinned, guys. Come on. I don't know how to tell you this. He was perfect. He never sinned. When God looked down, all he saw was the pornographer. All he saw was the drug addict. All he saw was the liar. All he saw was the wife beater. All he saw was the child who was running his own way. All he saw was the rebellion and sin of the world laid upon his back. And a holy God said, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. And the moment he cried out, it is finished. It was done. Broken. Satan's power was broken just for you just for you he took it on that stake Elias this man Phineas he took a stake stopped the sin stopped the death Jesus took the stake for you to stop it you can do it Christ is in you the spirit of God is for you he loves you this is what happens this is the reward. Oh, I had, I'm a, I had all the, I didn't even get to my notes today. Never even looked at them one time. I have all these rewards for the righteous. All these righteous for those who will fear, live a fearless life and not be afraid of man. And this is what happened to the church because this is what's happened to City Church right now. I walked in here on Wednesday night. I walked in on Wednesday night and I mean, guys, it was, this. people are being changed. I'm over here on Wednesday night over in the round. You know, when we get every, we're, this building isn't, there's no way we could do one service. We need another building. You know that? There's no way. We do three services because one service on Wednesday night, it's standing room only. 
I mean, it's completely packed over there. It's completely packed over here. We got no. We got Royal Ranger missionettes. We got all these things going. God's working. People are being saved. Young people hold up their sign last week. Young girl raped. I'm changed, cleansed. I was doing this. I was doing that. But now I'm a servant, Jesus Christ. I mean, oh, I mean, I was just amazed what God's doing. You see, the stake was driven through Christ. And when he declared it was finished, it was for you. And these people, 2,000 years ago, called the church. It was the church in Altamont Springs. It was the church in Longwood. And it was the church in Sanford. They had great peace. And they were edified. What do you long for today? You know, ultimately, you know every person longs for here is peace. To have peace. Not anxiety. You know how many people take antidepressants? There's so much anxiousness in our world. There's so much fear. It's the wrong kind of fear. The wrong kind of fear. You know how many people self-medicate? You know how many people drink too much? You know how many people do things that are destructive to their life because they're looking for peace? Come on. We've all done it, right? We've all been there. We've all done it. They had great peace and they were edified. They were walking in the fear of the Lord. They were walking with the sense of the awe of God. God, you're awesome. Next step, awe of God. Next step, yes, God, you're awesome. Oh, you're so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for victory today. Thank you, I couldn't do it yesterday, but I can do it today. This is what happens. They had the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Do you need comfort today? And then they're multiplying. That's what happens. That's what happens. That's what happens. The blessing of God starts to multiply in our life. The favor of God starts to multiply. There are people here today, the sound of my voice, generations are being changed. Generations are being changed right now. Generations. Generations are being changed right now. 1957. 1957, a generation was changed. Listen to me. 1957, a generation was changed. My mom, her name was Linda Bliley. She grew up in an agnostic, unbelieving, better read than dead, liberal Jewish home. My grandma didn't believe didn't even believe there was a God. If there was, you could never know. My mom grew up. Her father was an alcoholic. She never knew about Jesus. Listen, someone who was fearless. I don't even know who the person was. Someone in her neighborhood, a woman who cared, a woman who cared about others more than herself, had to break through that because she had to know my grandfather because he was crusty. My grandfather was a cursing, smoking, drinking man. So she had to break through that fear to go invite my mom. She brought my mom. Linda Bliley sat there in the church at the age of 15, never even heard the name of Jesus other than as a curse word. Never heard that name. The first time she heard it, she said, I want that Jesus. And a family tree was changed. A family tree was changed. That's my tree. Up today, you know, I thought about this. I watched my boy yesterday. 
19 years of age. He hasn't had all the pain. So many people have had to go through, oh, he's had stuff, he's a pastor's kid, life isn't fair, and there's all those things that happen. He hasn't had to go through the pain. Watch him yesterday as, as he was on the field of the battalion that he's in ROTC and just won for the first time that, that any ROTC unit and that whatever there at the Air Force again, the Air Force thing, whatever, they'd won three awards that day. Watch my boy in line with all these other training officers take the command of one officer. Wow. Another family tree has changed. <gasps> Mama, let me tell you today, your family tree, you got to stand, you got to believe. Come on, you got to believe. What in the world? What are you living for today? It wasn't easy. It's never easy, guys. Family trees are changed in this room. Three services today. Guys, because my mom's tree was changed, City Church only existed in the heart of God until I was born. <laughs> it only existed in the heart of God. 147 young people meet on Wednesday night. Family trees are being changed. You hear me today. You understand how it works. Stop being selfish. Stop being in this thing for what you can get. Stop doing it for what you can get. Start getting the big picture, guys. It's for you. Your family tree can be changed today. I'm going to ask you one question. I'm going to ask you one question. And I want you to write this down. Come on, get a pen. I want you to write this down. There's one thing I want you to take away today. I want you to ask God this week. Is there anything in my life, is there anything in my life that God hates? Is there anything that God hates that I'm apathetic towards, that I'm allowing? Is there anything in my life right now? This week I asked myself that question. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me about areas and things that I tolerate, things that have just become apathetic. The children of Israel, they were apathetic towards sexual sins. And it's in every generation. It isn't just today. It's been for thousands of years. First sin, Adam and Eve all had to do with their sexuality. I don't know why. It has to do with the intimacy and all that kind of stuff. It's a whole other message. But is there anything in my life that God hates that I'm tolerating? Anything in my life that God hates that He wants me to change? Is there anything that God wants me to love that I either stop loving or I've never loved? Should ask yourself that question this week. Thanks for listening to this message, The Fix, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407-321-9600.